0: Morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt, the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to this final installment in our series entitled, It Is Finished. We've been looking at a lot of prophecies that were fulfilled, Old Testament prophecies written centuries and centuries before Jesus ever walked the face of the earth that not only predicted his coming, but predicted how he would die. And we've been looking at all the Easter prophecies over the last few weeks, and it's amazing what the Bible had to say long in advance, and that was all part of God's plan, so that when Jesus died on the cross, he could say, it is finished, and people would know what he was talking about. And so uh, today, we're going to kind of wrap up that series and look at a few more Easter prophecies and explain why they matter. You know, uh, it's funny, because things can happen where Easter is just kind of taken for granted, and it doesn't really matter anymore. I remember when uh, a friend of mine was talking about his kids had kind of outgrown the Easter egg hunt and stuff at our house. I said, man, it is deadly serious. we go over to Grandma and Grandpa's house and Boy, we were looking for eggs. And they go, how do you do that? And I go, well, there's a golden egg with 20 bucks in it, and now it matters. Okay, that's that matters. And everybody, they're scattering all over the place trying to find that egg. And, you know, it's not just an Easter egg hunt or other things. You and I have to think about things. Well, why does this matter? I mean, why does it matter that all this was prophesied? Well, today I want to give you some very good reasons, because the Bible makes it clear that God wanted us to know what was going on, because this is part of his plan. His plan is to rescue us from sin and death. And he's been planning that since before the world began. i got good news for you this morning. I want to have a word of prayer, and we're going to jump right in. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Easter Sunday, and it matters that we're here. It matters this was prophesied. It matters those prophecies were fulfilled. And Father, today I pray that you will encourage our hearts and strengthen our faith as we look at your word together. I pray that you will speak and move me out of the way and say whatever you want said to us on this Easter Sunday morning. In the name of Christ we pray, Amen. Now, there was a greeting that there's a greeting that Christians have used all throughout the centuries, on, not only on Easter Sunday, but all throughout the year too, but especially on Easter Sunday where the speaker will stand up and say, Christ is risen, and the congregation replies back, He is risen indeed. So let's try that because we're going to use it a couple of times during this message because we need to be reminded of this because this is important. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Okay, let's try it one more time. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. And you'll see in these prophecies, why that's so important. It's important that we understand it, it's important we know what happened, and it's important that we believe it. And in Luke 24, Luke records for us three events that happened, or three segments, during that first Easter Sunday that helped drive this home and how all the prophecies were fulfilled. Point one on your outline starts with early Easter Sunday morning. On Easter Sunday morning, Jesus' followers realized that he had prophesied his own death and resurrection numerous times. Here's the way it went down, according to Luke. But very early on Sunday morning, that first Easter Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. If you're not familiar with the kind of layout of this, in biblical times, people weren't buried in cemeteries the way we do it today, in a casket underground or other things. They were laid in a tomb. If you were wealthy enough, you could have a cave, a small cave hewn into the side of a limestone cliff. And uh, there would be several shelves, shelves on either side of this cave where you would place a loved one's body when they passed away. And then you'd walk out through a small entrance that had been carved and you'd climb out to that entrance and there would be a large stone that would be rolled in front of the entrance and fall into a a crevice that was there to keep it sealed. And so that's how a person would be buried. Jesus was laid to rest in such a tomb. And the women had watched him die on Good Friday evening. And that evening, from sundown Friday until sundown Saturday, was a Sabbath. And a good practicing Jew, which all these people were, these women were as well, they observed the Sabbath and they wouldn't do any work until after sundown on Saturday night. And that was when they would have gone and collected spices and uh, ointments to anoint Jesus' body, much like we go bring flowers in remembrance of somebody today. If you see someplace where there's been an accident, people bring flowers and lay it at the spot, they would have at least gone to the tomb, and hopefully they would have found somebody to roll the stone away so they could go in and put these spices and ointments on his body as a sign of respect. And so they went to the tomb early on Sunday morning, but it was dark Saturday night, they had to wait till it was light so they could see what they were doing. So very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone had already been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And as they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the, man asked, then the men asked, "Why are you looking for the dead? Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified?" That he'd rise again on the third day. And then they remembered he had said this. I mean, Jesus had said this. Let me give you an example. It's written for you here. This is from Luke 18. Jesus is talking to his disciples on their way to Jerusalem where this is going to happen. And Jesus said, listen, we're going up to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. He'll be handed over to the Romans. He'll be mocked and treated shamefully. He'll be spit upon. They'll flog him with a whip and they'll kill him. But on the third day, he will rise again. But they didn't understand any of this. I mean, they'd seen Jesus walk on water. They had seen Jesus heal blind people. They'd seen Jesus raise people from the dead. They'd literally watched him raise Lazarus from the dead. And so they were wondering, how could any of this happen to him? I mean, this doesn't even make sense. This is God's anointed man. This is going to be the rescuer of Israel. How could it possibly mean that God would abandon him and let him be killed? And so none of it registered until the women were standing inside the tomb on that Easter Sunday. There's no body. And then some angels appear and go, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's risen. What are you doing? I mean, don't you remember he told you this would happen? And they went, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you're sitting here wondering, well, well does that really matter? Well, here's, yes, it does. And here's why. Because it shows us that God loves us and had a plan to rescue us from sin and death since before time began. Uh, In your outline, I had you write in the word rescue. I wish I would have had you write in the word plan. Sometimes when I turn these things in, I underline for my secretary the wrong word, okay? Uh, And this one, the emphasis I want to put on is plan. Because for the women, when they heard... Jesus crying out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When they watched him be brutally beaten and spit upon and laughed at by the religious leaders, when they watched him die and his body be placed in this tomb, well, they thought the whole thing was over. I mean, in their mind, everything that God had ever intended for Jesus to do must have been derailed. I mean, evil one. But here they were in the tomb on Easter Sunday morning and the angels would tell him, oh no, didn't he tell you this? I mean, the plan wasn't derailed, the plan was fulfilled. In fact, here's what Paul wrote to Timothy about this. God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us, By the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior, he broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. This was God's plan since before the beginning of the world. Let me explain again why this is so important to us. Um, And this goes by way, let me illustrate it by way of a tip to all the men here. I have found, after only like 30 years of marriage, that my wife values romance, okay? Okay? And I've also found that my wife spells romance, P-L-A-N, plan. In other words, she considers it a romantic evening if I tell her, hey, I'm going to pick you up and we're going to go to a restaurant. Where are we going? Well, it's a surprise. But I've got reservations at 7 o'clock. You just be ready. Or if I've written her a note and left it at home, uh, you know, in the laundry or somewhere, I know she's going to be I appreciate all you do around the house. I don't tell you enough how much I love you. And by the way, you're beautiful. And I throw it in the laundry thing. And then later when she's doing laundry, she picks it up and she calls me and goes, I found your note. And I go, well, you should have found it yesterday. I left it there. No, no, no. That will ruin it. Okay. That's the end of romance. Okay. Okay. But, (laughs) but do you understand if I have actually, if I send her flowers or if I send her a card or if I send her a note, she knows I've been thinking of her. And that's romantic to her. And it shows that hey, she was on my mind during the day. Now, think about this. Jesus has told his disciples over and over again. And by the way, I listed for you under that Luke 18 reference. If you look also, you can see also Matthew 12, Mark 9, Mark 10, Luke 9, uh, John 2, and there are many more. Jesus told disciples over and over again, hey, here's what's going to happen. 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 So that when it happened, they would understand this wasn't an accident This wasn't that evil had won. It was all part of God's plan. And if this is true, what Paul says, and it is, that God's been planning this since before the beginning of the world, how should that make you feel? It makes my wife feel special to know that I was thinking about her during the day. Well, God has been thinking about saving you and me since before time began. Do you know he loves you so much he sent his only son to die on the cross for you? Do you know he was thinking about that from the foundations of the world? That's how much God loves you. Talk about romance. He's been romancing a sinful world since before it began. And we have to decide whether or not we're going to go to church. I don't know if I can make it. There are so many times when people say, I don't know if God really loves me. We don't have to worry that God loves us. It's a question of whether we love him. My friends, Easter is a love story. Easter's a rescue story. Easter tells us that God's been planning this since before the world began. I mean, that's why it's so significant the stone was rolled away. Never make the mistake the stone was rolled away to help a crippled old, beat-up, half-dead Jesus out of the tomb. The stone was rolled away, not so Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so the disciples could get in. And they could see that the plan was fulfilled. It's finished. God wins, and so that's why the early Christians said, "Christ is risen," and the people said, "It matters," because it shows us that God's been thinking of us since before the world began. This was no accident, and then I shared it up on the hilltop at our sunrise service, it's no accident even that this all happened at dawn, because as the women were in the tomb, this was literally dawning on them. I mean, don't miss that. The night is over. Sin has lost. The darkness loses. The day is coming in. I mean, Jesus had from eternity past the plan when he was going to announce this too, and it all happened at dawn with a couple of angels. But is there more to the story? I'm so glad you asked. Let's go into point two. There's more. On Easter, that was Easter Sunday morning. Here's Easter Sunday afternoon. God does not want us to miss any of this. Luke didn't want, any, want us to miss any of this. Luke was a guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts in the New Testament. Luke was a medical doctor. He was very thorough. He researched everything. He interviewed the disciples. He interviewed Mary. He interviewed people about... Hey, what happened here when Jesus was born? And what happened when he died? And he wrote a very orderly account. And that's why it's so important that we understand this. And he wanted to make sure we understood how the prophecy things fit in here, that Jesus had prophesied all this so that nobody would be left in the dark because the disciples would have told him, hey, we didn't understand at the time, but later we did. So don't miss this. So on Easter Sunday afternoon, here's what happened next. Jesus explained to some of his followers how numerous Old Testament writings had also clearly predicted his death and resurrection. That same day, so the women went to the tomb in the morning. Now there's two people who've been walking from uh, Jerusalem to a nearby village called Emmaus. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. And he asked them, What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they said, well, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and the other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah, if you turn your page over there, who had come to rescue Israel. And this all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and that they had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. Now some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone just as the women had said. And then Jesus said to them, "'You foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the Scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory?' And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I mean, God took incredible time. You know, I, I have, you know you'll see a bunch of bullet points in your outline here where I hit just a few of the prophecies that Jesus would have covered. But when you start reading the Old Testament, and, that, and if you weren't with us for the series, if you can go online and watch these other uh, messages from this series, you'll be greatly encouraged that all of this was predicted incredibly hundreds, even a thousand years in advance, how Jesus would die. And so all the loose ends that people had been trying to figure out, Moses said a prophet would come who would be like him and that people were to listen to him. Well, who was going to be that great prophet? And David said that God would send someone from his line who would sit on his throne forever, a descendant of David, who would be a king forever. Well, who would that be? And there were all these strands woven throughout history, and Jesus said, "Will they all come together in me. Here are a few of the prophecies. See if any of this resonates. If you're familiar with the resurrection story at all, they will. And again, if you're confused about any of this, just get online and watch some of these. We've unpacked these, but I'll I just repeat a few of them here for highlights and throw in a few more. He was led like a lamb to slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. That wasn't taken from the Gospels that were recorded when Jesus was silently led away to his crucifixion. That was taken from Isaiah 53. that was written 700 years earlier. They've pierced my hands and feet. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. That wasn't taken from the Gospels either. Those two statements were taken from Psalm 22, written 1,000 years earlier. And if that isn't impressive enough to you, understand this, piercing their hands and feet... Crucifixion didn't exist a thousand years before Jesus was crucified. How could they have possibly known that? Nobody had ever seen anyone crucified. They divide my garments. We read that. The Lord protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. That's Psalm 3420. Jesus was murdered, nailed to a cross between two criminals. The legs of the criminals... On either side of them were broken, so they would die faster. But when they came to Jesus, they could see he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. He was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. This is the tomb I was talking about a minute ago that was donated by a wealthy man who was a secret follower of Jesus. You will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. Nobody ever understood that. They went, what does that mean? Until Jesus rose from the dead and went, oh, well, that was fulfilled. I hope you understand these things. And there are many, many more. This is just a little tiny tip of the iceberg when it comes to prophecies because Jesus would have walked along the road. He would have shown them at least these prophecies and many more and said, guys, what would it take for you? Did nobody ever read any of this stuff? Well, we had hoped he was the Messiah. What do you mean you hoped he was the Messiah? Of course he was the Messiah. He had to fulfill all this stuff. What do you think that means? Here's why it matters. We can trust God to keep his promises. Look, if all the promises that were written in the Old Testament times here were fulfilled in the New Testament times, and I can sit there and go, well, here's what it said in Psalm 22, and here's how it was carried out in the Gospels. Here's what it said in Isaiah 53, and here's how it was carried out in the Gospels. If I can trust that the word is true from start to finish... then I can not only trust the Old Testament promises promises and prophecies that were carried out in New Testament times, I can trust the New Testament prophecies that are going to be carried out that are in the future. And the promises that God has for me. Here are three promises, and there are many more on these too, but here are three I think that would matter to each one of us. I hope these matter to you. 1 Corinthians 15, 55. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. If that's good news, would you say amen? Amen. Well, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then there is no victory. But the stone was rolled away so the disciples, so the women could get in, and later the disciples could get in, and they could see that he wasn't there. He wins. Come and see for yourself. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's risen. Just as he said, he's stronger than death. Jesus wins. Don't miss it. It matters. Here's why else it matters. Another place in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul is talking about the resurrection, why it matters, because there are people who are doubting it by the time he wrote this letter to the Corinthian believers. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first, and what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever it is you're planting. Well, it's the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they'll be raised to live forever. Paul said, if you want to know what your heavenly body will be like, I mean, after we die, what happens? I mean, because it would be a a horrible thing if you just kept aging, and I mean, I'm Always discouraged when, as we age, that things don't work as well as they used to. Okay, I'm getting older, and I look in the mirror, and I go, oh, man. Well, think if you just lived forever on this planet, and you just kept getting older and older, and everything stopped working more and more, and you like, oh, that's not a great promise. But what if we have a brand new body in heaven that will never die, never get sick, and be better than anything we ever dreamed of? Well, that's what the scripture saying. saying. In fact, Paul says, you want to understand how much better our bodies in heaven will be than our bodies now? He said, you need to take like a little kernel of corn, for instance. You take a little kernel of corn, well, that's what you plant in the ground. But he said, that's not the plant that grows. I mean, can you imagine somebody who had just seen corn kernels, but they'd never been to Iowa and they'd never seen a 10-foot tall corn stalk? And you told them, hey, this corn stalk came from this little seed. They go, uh-uh. Oh, yeah, it did. You mean this dry little seed turned into that amazing thing? Yeah, there's more. See this little acorn? That oak tree came from this acorn. No way. And that's the way it's going to be when we get to heaven. Our bodies are going to be that much better. If that's good news to you, would you say amen? Amen. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of you know my father died almost five years ago now from Alzheimer's and um, complications and other things, and he'd been suffering from that for a long time. And do you know I have complete, 100% assurance that he has a brand new body in heaven. His mind is 100% clear. He will never be touched by Alzheimer's ever again. He's going to live forever there in the presence of Jesus, and so will I. Now, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then all that's just wishful thinking. But if he did rise from the dead, and he did, let's be clear on that, then all this is true. There's more. Jesus told his disciples before he was crucified, he told them this was going to happen. He said, but look, don't don't be sad. Now now don't be sad on me. Because I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything's ready, I'll come and get you so you'll always be with me where I am. I'm going to prepare a place for you in heaven. When everything's ready, I'll come get you. Well, how do we know he knows the way? Because he went there and he came back. But my friends, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then he's just another guy who made a lot of big promises and we don't really know what happened to him. But if the tomb is empty, and it was then Jesus knows how to conquer death. He knows how to conquer sin. He's getting everything ready for us in heaven, and one day soon he's going to come back and get us. And so it matters. It matters that Christ is risen, and all the people said? No, like half the people said that. Okay. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Well, if you're hoping for an eternal life, If you're hoping for a place in heaven, if you're hoping that you'll have a brand new body that will never die again, it matters. It's funny because sometimes at Easter people say, John, you get really kind of wound up. You get kind of shouting loud about this. And I go, yeah, and it's the reason why is because point three here on Easter Sunday evening. So we hit the morning, we hit the afternoon, now we're on evening of the same day. The two guys who were walking, uh, I didn't have time to put all the text in here. God opened their eyes, and they realized they'd been talking to Jesus when they sat down to eat a meal with him. Well, they booked it back, those seven miles back to Jerusalem. It was the first Christian 10K. Okay, that's what that was, okay? They booked it back to Jerusalem, and they came to the disciples, and they said, We just saw Jesus. He's alive. And they go, Yeah, he appeared to Peter. And the women at the tomb this morning swear he's alive. And while they were talking, here's what happened. Jesus was suddenly standing there among them. I mean, he's got this brand new resurrected body that's not limited by time and space. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you so frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies as you see I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet, where they could see the nail holes where it had been pierced on the cross. It's me. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then, they, then he asked them, You got anything to eat? And so they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. And don't think here, oh, okay, well, that's the acid test because ghosts don't like fish. That's not the point, okay? The point is not that. The point is that he was real. You got anything to eat? Well, then let me eat that. I'm not a figment of your imagination. I'm not some phantom. I'm not a hallucination. I'm really here. It's me. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you everything that was written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms that must be fulfilled. I mean, he's going back to this again. I mean, the angel reminded the women in the tomb. Didn't you remember what he said? When he was on the road with the two men going to Emmaus, he said, don't you remember what was told? And haven't you read the scriptures? And now with the disciples, he's going back one more time. If you read the scriptures, you'll understand this was me. And it's why we put such a premium on reading the Bible at this church. Because if you and I will read the Bible, God will show us who he is. I told you everything that was written about me in, uh, in the law of Moses and prophets and the Psalms that it must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And by the way, I'm going to promise you, if you and I will be diligent to read the scriptures and pray that God will reveal himself to us, he will always show himself. The Holy Spirit will still open our minds. Don't miss that. And then he said, Yes, it was written long ago the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. And here's the message. There's forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of these things, of all these things, and now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Does this matter? Yeah, and here's why. And this is what I was trying to get to earlier and why I'm shouting loud about it on Easter Sunday morning. It matters... Because this means we have good news for all nations to hear. I mean, there was prophecy that he would suffer, that he would die, and he would be raised again. And Jesus said there's one more thing that was predicted in the Old Testament times, that all the nations would come to know this. This is why Centerpoint has multiple sites and multiple locations, and why we spend so much time working on all that. We want as many people here to hear the truth as we can possibly tell. And I hope you understand that that's one of the big reasons we've gathered here, why we did a sunrise service this morning, why we had a service last night. we got a couple more here this morning. I want to tell this good news to as many people as we can on Easter Sunday, but we want to tell people all throughout the year as well. Why? Well, here are a couple of bullet points, and here's why it matters again, because there's forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Would you say that with me? There's forgiveness of sins for all who repent. What does it mean to repent? Repent just means make a U-turn. It means turn around. Quit going the wrong way. If you've been going the wrong way and you've been headed into sin, stop. I mean, if you're in a sinful relationship, stop. If you've been holding on to a grudge and nursing bitterness against a friend, stop. Turn around. Come to Jesus. There's forgiveness for everyone, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. If Jesus could offer forgiveness for the people who nailed him to the cross and were spitting on him, when he said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, well, then he can forgive you and me. There's forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Listen to what was later said in the book of Acts. Peter was talking about this. He says, repent then, turn around, come to Jesus, and turn to God so your sins may be wiped out That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Wonderful times of refreshment. Y'all, when I came to Christ and I gave my life to him, that's exactly what I experienced. When I turned away from me running my own life and gave my life to Jesus, he has changed every part about me and he's refreshed me a million times over. If that's good news to you, would you say amen? amen? Well, that's not just good news for me. That's good news for anyone. And Jesus said, this is the message that's going to go out to the whole world. Come to Jesus, all who repent. This is Peter telling everybody he could. Wonderful times of refreshment. One more reason it matters is because the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to all who believe. See, the good news about coming to Christ is you don't just confess your sins and say, "Woo, glad my sins are forgiven. Oh, there's a lot more than that. You come to Christ, he places his Holy Spirit, God places his Holy Spirit inside of us and changes us from the inside out gives us a new life, a better life, the power to overcome addictions, the power to forgive people we can't stand, the power to do things we're afraid to do. When Paul was writing to Ephesians about this, he said, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms, and that power is available to you and me. So this Easter Sunday morning, I'm going to tell you that all these prophecies matter. They mattered enough that the, angel brought it up to, the angels brought it up to the women in the tomb. The prophecies mattered enough that Jesus brought them up to the men walking on the road to Emmaus. They mattered enough that Jesus brought it up to the disciples so they would believe and be convinced. I mean, I told the people on the hilltop at our sunrise service, I want to do outdoor services, and I love it because as you see the sun coming up and the new day dawning, it's it's a it's an object lesson that the night is over and, and there's a new hope and there's a new day dawning right now. Just like the women at the tomb would have realized it, I want us to realize it, so we'll be convinced. And why is it important we're convinced? So that we can go tell all nations this good news. Many times I think some of us who've grown up in church have heard this a million times. We go, oh, yeah. But we forget how wonderful it is, and we forget that there was a time in our lives where we said, oh, thank God for Jesus. I hope you're convinced today. If not, you can come to my office. I can shout at you in private. (laughs) Let's just pray together, and let's ask God to convince us of these things. Lord, I don't need to shout at people. Well, if I do, then Lord, give me enough strength to shout. But Lord, I want us to be convinced of these things. I thank you the angels met the women at the tomb. I thank you, Lord, that Jesus met the men on the road to Emmaus. I thank you that he appeared to the disciples, and he just wanted them to be convinced that everything he said was true. And Father, if everything you've said about him was true, then everything you've said about us is true. Lord, just convince us of the fact that Jesus is risen from the dead, just as he said. Convince us of the fact, O Heavenly Father, that anyone can come to him, and our sins can be forgiven if we'll just repent. Convince us, Lord, that if we come to you, we don't have to fear death, because you conquered death. Convince us, Lord, that you can give us new life filled with power in the name of Jesus. And then convince us, Lord, that the whole world needs to hear this, What is more important than sharing this? I pray these things on this beautiful Easter Sunday morning. In the name of Christ, our risen Lord, amen. Christ is risen.